I am Dr. Jennifer Cottle, host of Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. And joining me today is Dr. Renee Allen, board-certified OBGYN and hospitalist. Dr. Allen is also a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and she also holds a Master's of Health Sciences. Dr. Allen practices currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Allen, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you so much, Dr. Cottle. I am very excited and honored to be one of your guests today. Well, thank you for joining us. So this is a really interesting topic because we're talking about obesity and bariatric surgery in women of reproductive age and just sort of the considerations that we need to take into account. So can you first start talking about some of our common patient demographics, those patients who really are seeking bariatric surgery? Can you speak to that? Oh, yes. We found, based on studies from about 1998 to 2005, the incidence of bariatric surgery has increased by about 800%. And there's five times as many women as versus men who are obtaining this surgery. About more than 50,000 women between the age of 18 and 45, which are the reproductive age, are obtaining this surgery. And with regards to the number of patients in general that are receiving the surgery, it's about 80% of those patients are female. And as I stated, 50% of all bariatric surgeries are being done within the reproductive age female, which is between 18 to 45 years old. That's that's very interesting, and, and that really does make make it something that we need to look at as physicians and understand, you know, how this may impact our patient. What's the process that our female patients, or male patients for that matter, will go through prior to bariatric surgery? What's that process like? Well, there is certain criteria that has been set out as guidelines by the National Institute of Health and also the FDA, and this is general standard criteria for both male or female patients in general, but I have to have a disclaimer that this is a screening tool, but the patients are evaluated on an individual basis. But the guidelines in general are for gastric banding type surgery, the BMI should be 40 or higher, or they'll look at patients with BMIs of 30 or higher, as long as that patient also has an obesity-related health problem, such as hypertension or diabetes or sleep apnea or GERD or even arthritis. With regards to gastric bypass surgery, though, the screening tool and the criteria that's used for that is a BMI of 40 or higher or a BMI of 35 or higher and also with obesity-related disease. But once again, I want to stress that it's a screening tool that's used and that each patient is evaluated on an individual basis. Sure. You know, I'm actually just curious as a family doctor, you, you practice OBGYN. Do you have a lot of patients that consult you before they choose to have the surgery or go through the process? Do you do a lot of counseling to your, your patients? Not as many as I would like. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview because we tend to see them after the fact, either during the time when they're in the rapid weight loss stage, which is the first 12 to 18 months post-surgery, or um, a little bit further out where they're actually pregnant. And then they come in with this history of having had the bypass, whether within the first year to year and a half or a longer period. Either way, that patient is still a high-risk patient and a special um, patient in that there are certain things that need to be done throughout the entire pregnancy, special attention that needs to be done um, made to that patient as opposed to 
a patient that does not have that surgical history. So I, I kind of wish that I would see more patients beforehand because there is some preconception counseling that's specific to the post-biatric surgery patient that is actually quite important. And, you know, wh- why don't we talk a little bit about that? That's I think that's a great sort of segue into really what some of the counseling you might provide is. But, but also for us physicians, you know, what are some of the anatomic changes that happen as a result of bariatric surgery? And then, you know, how might this impact a, a, a female patient's pregnancy or pre-pregnancy counseling? With regards to the anatomical changes, gastric bypass is by far the most common of the surgeries performed. 80% of all bariatric surgeries are gastric bypass type. And with that, basically what you're doing is you're creating a smaller stomach by creating a a pouch, either sewing it or stapling the pouch. And that is the restrictive part of that surgery. Then there is the malabsorptive part of surgery in that that small pouch is now disconnected from a portion of the small uh, intestine, the duodenum, and then reconnected to the jejunum. Um, So a large portion of the small intestine is bypassed, and when you have that reconnection, it forms a Y. So that's why you always hear the Ruin Y um, uh, bypass surgery. Um, So that is the anatomical change you'll find with the gastric bypass surgery. With regards to the other second most common um, surgery, which is the gastric banding, um, with that, it's more of a restrictive uh, surgery in that you have a band that's placed to create a small pouch on the stomach, but there's no cutting or sewing or distortion of the anatomy with regards to rerouting. Um, It's just that there is that adjustable band that's placed on the stomach to make the opening of the stomach smaller and then also the pouch smaller so that the patient has a feeling of fullness very quickly with a small amount of food. And then the third type of most common surgery is the gastric sleeve. And with that, that is also another restrictive sort of surgery in that the stomach is sewn or stapled and it's kind of resembling a a banana sort of shape um, once it's done. But there is no rerouting of the intestines, so there isn't a malabsorption portion of that surgery. There isn't a malabsorption effect after that surgery is done, at least not to the same extent as um, the gastric bypass type surgery. Sure, sure. Well, I think that's a great description of sort of the different options. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and joining me today is Dr. Renee Allen. Dr. Allen is a board-certified OBGYN, and she's also a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. She also holds a Master's of Health Sciences, and she practices in Atlanta, Georgia. We've been talking about the effects of, rather, we've been talking about obesity and bariatric surgery in women of reproductive age. Um, let's let's take it a step back. You know, you've uh, very well laid out the different types of bariatric surgeries that there are, the surgery types. Can you speak a little bit about the effects of obesity on a woman's fertility or reproductive status? Well, with regards to fertility, what we see in the obese female patient is that the increased adipose tissue, it causes a lot of hormonal changes. Um, the most common is insulin resistance, you know, and that shows up in a multitude of ways. Um, and that actually affects, um, believe it or not, ovulation insulin resistance. So that's one of the biggest 
things that we see with obese patients is that they're insulin resistant and then that has an effect on their ovulation. If the patient's not ovulating, she can't get pregnant, obviously. The other effects that we see is that the increased adipose tissue, it causes a distortion in the ovarian hormone reproduction in that there's an imbalance and you tend to see that the ovaries tend to produce more androgens and then that what that results in is increased free androgens within the system um, and that also affects ovulation as well too and those particularly I can state that with the increased androgens you're going to end up getting it converted into increased estrogens and then that will cause an ovulation or metarrhagia a regular period and then once again if you're not ovulating, then it's very, you can't get pregnant. And then finally, we do see PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's very common amongst the obese patients. And those patients tend to be reproductively challenged as well, too. They tend to need assistance in order to conceive. So we do see a direct correlation between increased BMI and cycle irregularity. Any OBGYN will tell you that that's so common within their practice. With regards obesity and pregnancy specifically. Once that obese patient has become pregnant, we, there's a lot of increased risk that we see within those patients and we're, we, we want to monitor them a little bit more closely than a patient that is non-obese. They tend to have increased incidence of spontaneous abortion. They also have an increased incidence of gestational hypertension, gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, macrosomia, um, shoulder dystocia during the delivery section, that is a huge risk, as well as even anesthesia difficulties. It's more difficult to place epidurals or spinals in the obese patient than the non-obese patient. And then even an increase in C-section rates. Um, I know that I was reading the other day where there was one study where for BMIs, women with BMIs of 35 to about 39.9, that C-section rate is about 47%. That's really, really high. And then once we do end up having C-section on these patients, they have an increased risk of wound infection and DVTs. So it's, there's just a lot of increased risk for obese patients who then become, are successful in becoming pregnant. So with, these, with that in mind, the bariatric patient who is within the reproductive age, 18 to 45, these women tend to, what you see is their ultimate goal, the majority of these women, they want to end up conceiving because of all these other issues I just told you that they've been challenged reproductively um, to conceive. Um, so that's why we tend to see most of the patients being women within that age group. So immediately after the bariatric surgery, there is a, like a sweet spot, like a, a period of time in which there is rapid weight loss. And it's usually between 12 to 18 months postoperatively. And during this time, especially for the gastric bypass type, you are in a high metabolic phase, you're, you're you're actually nutritionally de deficient, and you have to be supplementing with a lot of different supplements in order for your body not to be completely drained. But you are losing a lot of weight. Typically, we will find that the, the gastric bypass patient loses, on average, about 100 pounds. That's the most realistic estimate that you're going to see, and which we say is about 65 to 70% of the um, estimated body weight at about 12 to 18 months. That is typically what we see after the gastric bypass type. Um, but that is not the environment that we want a 
fetus to be growing in, ideally. We don't want them to be exposed to that time when it's the rapid maternal weight loss and the time of the most nutritionally deficient period. So immediately after gastric bypass or any sort of bariatric surgery, we stress and counsel the patient that contraception is very important within that first year to year and a half. However, with the gastric bypass patient particularly, oral contraception is not the, the answer. It's actually not the choice that you should be making as an OBGYN or even a family doctor because, remember, that is both a restrictive and a malabsorptive type of surgery. So you tend to see that you're, um, if you place both patients on OCP, you'll have um, an increased OCP failure rate. So instead, what you should be offering them is um, like the ring or Mirena IUD or um, any of the devices that are implantable. Those are better options for patients who are particularly gastric bypass type patients. And what, again, is the specific reason for that, if I can interject for just a second? Is it the weight concerns um, with OCPs? For the surgery to be successful with the RUNY, what you're doing is you're doing restriction with the pouch, and then you're also rerouting the intestines so that a portion of the small intestine is no longer used. And so there is a concern that when you're taking oral contraception that you're not, um, reabsor- you're not absorbing um, the medication and that it's not, the medication is not at the critical therapeutic level that you need and that you'll end up getting an OCP failure. You'll end up getting pregnant. So that's why with that patient, that is not the option that you should be um, leaning towards. You should be leaning towards other contraception options that are not absorptive that don't require the patient to um, be absorbing them, to orally absorb them, and for it to go through the liver, the first half effect, and all that sort of thing. And so the, uh, the options that I'm giving you are the Mirena IUD, the ring, or even the implantable devices. Those are better options for specifically the gastric bypass type patients. Right. You know, one thing I wanted to sort of reiterate and stress that you mentioned, and I think this is very helpful and also interesting is, you know, how long, if, if I were to ask you, you know, how long would you recommend a patient wait after getting bariatric surgery uh, before trying to conceive? If I remember, you said something like one to one and a half years. Is that correct? 12 to 18 months. If you go to any bariatric surgeon, that's what they're going to say. And if they could even wait a little bit longer, because you tend to see that those patients, even after the 18-month period, they're still losing quite a bit of weight, even up to two, two and a half years. But the thing is, is that remember, a lot of these women are doing, getting these surgeries done so that they can have a child. So it's really hard to tell a woman to wait two, two and a half years. They, what you tend to see is that they come in either right at the one and a half year mark or even a little bit sooner than that. That poses a difference, some challenges for the OBGYN that is dealing with a patient that's come in actually during their rapid weight loss phase because there's certain things that you need to do a little bit differently to monitor to make sure that the mother is okay and that the fetus is growing um, properly. Because I need to stress that, that once that patient gets that bariatric surgery, her fertility rate doubles. And it's not uncommon to see that she starts ovulating. She may have not been ovulating for months or even years, and then as soon as she gets the surgery and she's lost maybe 10% of her body weight, and she can do that easily within the first month, 
she starts to get regular periods, which means that she's ovulating and she is fertile. So I, I just want to stress that, that we tend to see women who do come in pregnant during that rapid weight loss phase, and then that poses some special concerns and um, monitoring that you need to do. Dr. Allen, you know, we've talked a lot about different scenarios and things we need to be mindful of in our uh, woman of reproductive age who's getting bariatric surgery. Let's talk about a patient who uh, might be pregnant and who has recently had bariatric surgery. Can you talk about some of the things that we need to be mindful of? With regards to the gastric band patient, the band may need to be adjusted during pregnancy. If you have any bariatric patient that comes in with complaints of abdominal pain or nausea or vomiting, you need to work that up very closely because those patients are at increased risk for small bowel, ischemia, anastomical leaks, band erosion, hernias, bowel obstruction. So that patient needs to be watched carefully. Also, I need to stress that this needs to be a collaborative team effort to take care of the pregnant post-bariatric patient. The bariatric surgeon needs to be involved, the general OBGYN, the maternal fetal medicine specialist, and even a dietitian needs to be involved. But very quickly, just a couple of more points with regards to the post-bariatric patient who's pregnant. We typically do a rapid glucose screen in order to test for gestational diabetes between 24 to 28 weeks. In the gastric bypass patient, though, what is recommended is that you do a screen early in pregnancy, first trimester if you can, if she comes to you early enough in time. And then the typical screen that we do between 24 to 28 weeks, we cannot use the, the high glucose load that's used in normal patients because of the dumping effect that these patients experience that's typical with a gastric bypass patient. So instead, what you need to do is you need to do about a week of home glucose monitoring where it's fasting and two-hour postprandial um, glucose that are taken for about a week. Um, and it won't hurt to also do a hemoglobin A1C right at the beginning as well, too. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, is that because this is, especially in the gastric bypass patient, a nutritionally deficient state, in order to achieve the weight loss, you need to be testing every trimester um, blood work. Um, you need to look at vitamin B12, vitamin D, iron, magnesium, calcium, to make sure that they are um, within a certain level, um, that normal range. And if it isn't, either orally replace or do not fear to even replace it parenterally as well, too. And then if the patient, like, is a seizure patient, who's on Dilantin or any other med that is critical and they need to have a critical therapeutic level, you need to be testing that as well, too, to make sure, like, every trimester that that level is at the critical level that they need because, remember, especially with the gastric bypass patients, they, are, they have a malabsorption issue. So those, and then one final thing, um, the gastric bypass patient needs to have about a little bit more calories um, than in their maintenance phase, typically about 300 kilocalories a day more, and those calories should come all from protein because that is what the diet of a bariatric patient should mainly consist of is protein. And then one other thing, with regards to breastfeeding, it's yes. okay to breastfeed if you're a bariatric patient, but you need to make sure that the patient, the mom, is nutritionally intact because there has been some studies that show neonatal vitamin B12 deficiency in breastfeeding moms who are post-bariatric patients. So that's why it's very imperative that the mom is keeping up with her vitamins. And the vitamins she should be taking is a regular prenatal vitamin, 
vitamin plus all the other vitamins that she needs to do as a gastric bypass or a bariatric patient. Um, and then finally, for screening the, the fetus, um, and that's why we need to work in conjunction with an MFM or a perinatologist, we should be uh, have doing closer surveillance on the baby, especially in the third trimester, to ensure that we're hitting um, the right growth parameters for that fetus. Right. Well, that's, that's just, uh, this is really wonderful. This, this information has been so helpful, and I think you did a, a, an excellent job of sort of going through sort of the cycle of the woman in reproductive age and how we need to think about bariatric surgery in this woman before she is pregnant, um, after she's had the surgery, before the surgery, etc. So these are very, very helpful points, and, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, many thanks to you, Dr. Allen, for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you, Dr. Cottle. It, it, is, it is certainly my pleasure. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and you've been listening to Reach MD. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash everydaymedicine. Thank you so much for listening.